Today's reading is from Luke 15, 11 through 32. Please read with me the highlighted verses. And it, he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go into my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. No longer worthy to be called your son, treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring him the fattened calf, and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants, and asked about what these meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry, and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command, Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when his sons of yours came, you devoured property with prostitutes. You killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. I plan to give a, uh, uh, three messages uh, this morning. So be uh, prepared for an hour and a half <laughs> of preaching. 
I hear laughter like, it's, like I'm kidding. <laughs> when I was uh, living out in Dallas, Texas, I went to an African-American church, and that is typical, that your services are about three to three and a half hours long. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, if your, star, if your stomach starts to grumble, and, uh, and I can hear it from here, I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> but... Uh, it is a wonderful text, uh, a wonderful portion of scripture. I think this is a, a it has to be my favorite parable. Uh, I mentioned briefly last week that if you read something in the text of scripture and you see somebody doing something foolish, it may be safe to assume that that might be me in the story. If you see a person in the story doing something extremely unwise, instead of saying, ha ha, you fool, why would you do something so, I know we have kids in the room, so I better be careful by my word selection, uh, so dumb. It may be wise to pause and realize that the person in the story might be describing us. We may not be as much as we'd like to think we are the hero or the heroine in the story, but the fool. That's the sense that I get when I read this particular parable. The story we're looking at today begins, there was a man who had two sons. I can relate. Not only am I one of two sons my parents, uh, of my parents, but I too have two sons. You see, when Jesus told stories, he would always compare something that you should aspire to become or someone you should try to avoid being. Whether it's the house built on sand or the one built upon the rock, seed scattered among the rocky paths or the good soil. The sheep or the goats, the clean or the unclean, the lamp on a stand or the lamp under a bowl. His stories, many of them, are filled with these comparisons. And it's interesting when he compares not just things, but he begins to compare people. Mary and Martha, the poor widow and the Pharisee, the good Samaritan and the priest, the persistent widow and the judge. But the one that seems the most fascinating is the comparison of two brothers. Two brothers. An irresponsible one and a responsible one. A disobedient one and an obedient one. The one who squanders or the one, and, or the one who saves. But friends, neither are these heroes in the story. They both fall short. One takes his share of the inheritance and runs away from home and wastes it on wild living. And the other one, the older, bitter brother at home who can't, who won't celebrate when his brother finally returns home. You may know the parable. You may have heard it a dozen times. Certainly, it's my favorite of the parables that Jesus tells as it's so relatable. And as Jesus tells the story, we find ourselves identifying with one or the other. Both have real flaws, ones you and I can relate with. 
The parable of the prodigal son follows uh, two shorter parables. There's the parable of the lost sheep. It's Jesus or the, uh, the shepherd looking for that one lost sheep among a hundred. And then it gets to the lost coin or the lost silver. There are ten and one is missing and the owner of these coins flips the whole house to find that one lost coin. And then there's this one. Two sons and one is lost. Each time the object lost grows in value and importance. And the story goes, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. It's a selfish request of the younger son. And again, I love this as the older son. The older son typically received two-thirds of the inheritance. And the younger, only a third. In those days, the most that a father would give his son while the father was still living was the right to have his inheritance, never the right to sell it. And in this case, the son demanded both the right to own it and also to sell it. So speaking in financial terms, this is a costly demand. Notice what this young boy or this young man says to his father. He says, give me. His focus is on me. His life is all wrapped up within himself, and he cares for no one except himself, not even his old man. And what's interesting here is that the father's, father grants the son's request rather than disowning his son and driving him out of the house as perhaps we think he should have. He gave his son what he asked for. The prodigal son turns his property into quick cash, probably getting less than the fair market value, and liquidates it in a hurry, a sale at any price, like a pawn shop. All he wanted was the money and nothing else. The whole family suffers for this son's selfishness, but none more than the father. You see, because it's not just financial, it's relational. Not just money and assets and property, but it's public humiliation. Because it would be no secret in a town like this, people talk, and soon everyone everywhere would hear of what this son had done and what he was going to do. And this son would bring shame to his family name, but that's not even the worst of it. What cost the father most was the heartless rebellion of his own beloved son. Can you imagine the kind of pain the father must have felt? How heartbroken he must have been. You know, I have shared this before. I love and I have been blessed with uh, three wonderful children. Wonderful, wonderful children. And I've uh, shared this before, that something I've learned as I've had uh, three children, as we've had, my wife and I have had three children, is that uh, we love our kids so much more than, and I think any parent in the room understands this. 
that we'll love our children far more than our children can ever love us back. And that's okay. It's the heart of the father. It's the heart of a mother. It's the heart of a parent who, who loves uh, their children. And, and you can imagine when there's heartbreak like this, there's a, a disavow or a disowning. Uh, there's a, an asking for an inheritance I, from, from, a, from a son or from a daughter. I wish you were dead. And I want my inheritance now. The kind of heartbreak a, a parent feels and a, the kind of pain uh, a parent feels when there's this disavow. Jesus told a story about a young man who made a, a wrong decision and what happened to him. When we call this parable the parable of the prodigal son, and many people consider it the greatest short story ever written, ever told, because it speaks directly to the heart condition of every person that has ever lived. Because this young son, he gathers all he had, and he took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. He began to be in need, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. And again, he, he feeds pigs, and he feeds on what the pigs feed on. And he was longing to be fed with the paws that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. It doesn't take long before he runs out of money. He goes through it. Easy come, easy go, and before long, it's gone. His friends desert him. He is destitute. And not only is he broke, but there was a prolonged famine in the land and puts everyone, even average farmers, on the edge of survival. And it is in these dire circumstances that this prodigal finds a job, not just any job, but a job that requires him to feed pots of swine. It's the worst job a Jew could have. His job of feeding swine was considered unclean. Since pigs were unclean animals for Jews, for a Jewish man, nothing could be lower. And again, here is a picture of, uh, that Jesus paints for us of a man reduced to the lowest of the low. Perhaps you have been this low. Perhaps you have been this hopeless. Perhaps you know how that feels. This young man who squanders his wealth, you and I know as we read the story, he was selfish. He asked for his share of the inheritance now. We know that he goes off to the far country and he wastes everything. He, he squanders it on wild living. He wants the pleasures of this world now. It doesn't take him long before he runs out. On a plane yesterday, I was flipping through the kinds of movies that were on on, uh, on Delta, these free movies, and one of the titles that I read, I thought it was really interesting. I started reading through the little, the little sub, uh, this, this, the, the description of the movie, and it says uh, a, a woman in Texas earns uh, or wins the lottery and then ends up wasting it all to have nothing at the end. Wasted everything he had. This prodigal son, 
He, he breaks every relationship that's important to him. He makes a string of bad decisions. Can you relate? Perhaps you have been this low and helpless. Perhaps you know how it feels. And when you are that low and when you are that hopeless, the one advantage of this position is that there is no direction to go but up. And it's when he hits rock bottom that the Bible tells us that the prodigal son, he came to his senses. Remember, this whole parable begins at the very beginning in the first three verses of chapter 15. It begins at a dinner party. They began because Jesus was eating with tax gatherers or tax collectors and, and sinners. And so Jesus tells these three parables. Now his older son was in the field. It tells us and gives us this picture of, I'm already on my second sermon, by the way. Now this older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And the servant said to this older brother, your brother has come, your younger brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. And again, this older brother was angry and refused to go in. And so his father came out and treated him, and he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. I kept on reading this portion of the text and thought, he is just as selfish as the younger one. Look, these many years I have served you. I never disobeyed your commands. You never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. And I love how he turns it. He says, but when, when this, he doesn't say my brother. He says, when this son of yours who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fattened calf for him. The older brother was resentful. He was keeping score. If there ever was a son who hated his brother more, it was this elder brother in this parable. He had accounted certain things that were owed to him. And now he felt that this younger brother was getting more than he deserved. And in essence, when you think about it, the father had already distributed his one-third to this younger son. And so now what this party was was a, a spending of his inheritance, wasn't it? It's his money being spent on this younger son, on his younger brother. And after all, he had never asked for his share of the inheritance. He never left home. He never squandered his money. He had stayed home and had worked his fields. He felt that he deserved his father's blessing. That he had earned in some way his father's goodwill. And in verse 30, he calls the younger brother, the son of yours, instead of saying, the, this brother of mine. And yet, in spite of the older brother's self-righteousness, these two brothers, my friends, when you read through this, they are a lot more alike than they are different. They're a lot more alike than they've realized. 
It's easy to see how lost the, the, the prodigal son was, but do you see how lost the elder brother was? He was just as lost as the younger brother, maybe even more lost because he was lost on the inside. Nobody could tell how lost he really was. And even though he never left the family farm, he had abandoned his father's heart. And although he never left home, he was lost in his own home. You know, it's easy to say when we commit these outrageous sins, we're lost. But when we have these incredible feelings of, of, of resentment, of bitterness, when we have these feelings of, I deserve it, I've earned it, I've, I've done all these things, you know, we are lost and we, we may never realize it. And it happens a lot, I think, in the church. We come to church and we think, I do all the right things, I say all the right words, and I pray all the right prayers. And we come into the doors of a church and we think we're good and we deserve the Father's good pleasure. There's this, and I think in my last three, and I apologize if this keeps on coming up because these are difficult passages, but there is this sin, sin of, of self-deception. We come in through the doors and we don't realize how sick our heart really is. We come in through the doors and we look at everyone around us is a little less But it, when we come into the church, it's never about looking around and how we compare to others, whether there are people less than us and, or better than us. It's, it's always been, when you come into the church, it's always about a worship that makes us look upward. And when we look upward, there's no, there's, when we look upwards, it, it makes us look inward. When we look upward like the prophet Isaiah did in Isaiah chapter 6, he he looks at the, the holiness of God and cannot help but look at his own heart and realize that yet I am a sinful man. It's easy to come into the church and like the Pharisee, look at the tax collector and say, Lord, thank you for not making me like a tax collector like him. And all the while the tax collector there is beating his breast because he knew where he stands compared to the holiness of God. Could it be, could it be that we have come into the house of the Lord and failed to look introspectively? Have we failed to look inside our own heart and look at how lost we really are? From the outset, we know that this story is a story about two brothers. And yet the older brother is strangely silent, not saying a word. That is until his little brother comes home. And this is strange because you would expect that the elder brother would have been a mediator. Being the go-between between the father and the younger son, pleading with the younger brother, don't do this. 
the younger brother by demanding his inheritance and leaving home. The younger brother was breaking all the secret, all the sacred bonds of the family, not to mention breaking his father's heart. And yet the older brother stands by in silence. We know the younger brother by what he asks. We know the father by what he does. But what we know the older son by what he does not do. You see, that's just as condemning. There are these sins of commission. I know those are the easy ones, right? Do not commit murder or adultery. Don't steal. But when have we looked into our own heart and looked at those commandments that we're, we're called to do but have failed? To love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as self. Those things left undone. Those are the harder questions to ask ourselves because we don't think about these things that we have not done that God calls us to with everything we have. In verse 28, it says he got angry. He was very angry. He was, he was fuming. He's angry at God. Perhaps angry at the gospel, angry at himself, angry at those who enjoy the blessings of grace. He wanted credit where credit was due, not to mention punishment for where punishment was due. He says, all these years I have been, and I love this, he says, I've been serving. But if you read that in the, the Greek text, it says, I've been slaving away for you. And the irony of this whole thing, right? Again, it's the prodigal son, the younger one, who is reciting this prayer in his mind as he's walking back towards home. My father's servants are better off. And yet here's the older son who, in the irony of this story, has failed to see himself as a son, but now is a slave. He's lost sight of it. I've been slaving away for you. I've never disobeyed your orders, your commands. Dad, how come he gets a cow? I don't even get a goat. <laughs> how come he gets a cow, Dad? I know, it's not relatable. <laughs> but do you see what's happening? The elder son is lost because in the irony of all this, he has rejected his sonship seeing himself as a slave instead of as a son. You see, that's what happens when you don't serve in love, but out of obligation. When you do it because uh, you think that there's some reward at the end. You do it because you get credit for it. It's merited. My friends, that's, that's called a job. You do it and you get paid. The difference here is that God shows mercy and God shows grace, and those are things that we cannot earn. In verse 28, he refuses grace. The father says, come on in, celebrate. The text tells us he was angry and would not go in. If you read verse 29, you will see that this other, other son was so angry that he refused to be saved by grace. 
He was too good to be saved entirely by grace, entirely by Christ's merit. He was too good. And before you misunderstand what I say, this does not mean we lower our standards. Just because you're too good doesn't prohibit you from getting into heaven. But he was too good. You know, it's not that we try to be little better than the bad and a little lower than the good, right? It's, it's not that. That's not the kind of equation. You got to be somewhere in the middle. You know, just be better than someone and be less than someone. This, that's not this. But he was too good for his own good. And perhaps you can relate to the older son. You've been too good. Others have been bad. And perhaps this morning you have not come to the realization that our Heavenly Father loves you because He loves you. And not because of anything you have done or ever could do. Tim Keller, pastor and author, explains, It is not His badness that's keeping Him out, it's His goodness. It is not his sins that are keeping him from sharing in the feast of the Father so much as it is his righteousness. The elder brother in the end is lost despite his good record, uh, is lost despite his good record, but because of it, he was too good for his own good. I'm running out of time really quick, and I'm getting to my third sermon. Before we, get, uh, before we uh, get ahead of ourselves and miss the point of the parable, my friends, don't miss the grace of God, the grace of the Father. The parable of the prodigal son is a story of neither the younger or the older. It is a parable about the Father. It is a story about God's love. The story of the prodigal son helps us understand the, the greatness of God's mercy. Because while he was a long way off, the father saw him, felt compassion, and ran. Ever see an old man <laughs> running? Uh, it's not a beautiful picture. <laughs> uh, the father. And in the, in, the, in the ancient Near East, uh, old men uh, did not run. Just as it is uncommon to see an old man run, it was true in the ancient, ancient Near East where it was considered undignified for a man of age and position to run. Men in long robes do not run. They stroll. On the one side is the son rehearsing his speech, coming with trepidation and fear before his father, moving at an uncertain pace towards the house, and on the other side is the father running. And I love this because it is the father who, in his undignified state, runs. He runs to meet that prodigal son. From afar away, he looks and he sees him running, or he sees him walking towards the house, and, and the father, who could not help it, he runs. And then I ask, why does he run? Because there were these traditions in the ancient Near East where, again, a community would dis disown a son. 
by what he does to his father. And yet, before the community could reach that son, the father runs. Why does the father run? Because he knows that if the, young, the older brother saw him in the distance, he would be condemned before he reaches it. And so before the community and before the older brother, again, here's a father. He runs as fast as he can. And that is the grace of God that reaches us knowing that we will be condemned and that we have one who condemns us. We have an evil one who condemns us. And we know it. We know that in our sin, our sin condemns us. And yet it's the Father who comes, who runs and shows his compassion. Says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. He gets there before the community. He gets there before his older son. All to show him that I, I know what you've done. You are still my son. Let's have a feast and celebrate. He calls for a feast and a celebration only fitting that the joy and the magnitude of the occasion for this son of mine. And I love these words that contrast again. Was dead. And now is alive. Was lost but is now found. Instead of humiliation directed toward his son... This father who has suffered great loss and heartbreak and utter humiliation in place of his son goes out to meet him. Paul in Philippians chapter 2 says, And being found in human form, Jesus humbled himself. He took on great humiliation even to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's why I love this story so much. That's why this story is, uh, as every story is, uh, a picture of the gospel. Those who cannot... Again, it should have been the son bringing back the third of his inheritance back to the father, and yet he comes to the father with nothing in his hand. One of my favorite hymns, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Nothing in my hand I bring, only to the cross I claim. My friends, the only way to the father, to the father's heart, is to bring nothing. The gospel is that you bring nothing, just yourself. 